In the following live session recording, Mitch Bellflower, children's pastor for First Baptist Church Lyons, Georgia, talks about training and retaining volunteers in preschool and children's ministry. Effective volunteers need to know what's expected of them, and they need to be trained to be successful in their roles. In this session, the listener will learn ways to train children and preschool volunteers, as well as develop strong relationships to support and encourage them in their ministries. Let's join Mitch now. All right, so there's no magic potion that I can give you guys that's going to fill your rooms up with volunteers, okay, and make them stay. Lovely. I mean, I wish I, I wish I had it. However, I will tell you this. Um, I will give you, or I will try to give you, what I think is very important. I've actually been in full-time ministry for about 10 years. I'm going on my 10th year. I've been teaching Sunday school or been doing something in with children's ministry for about 25 years. But just just started full-time out of law enforcement. I was in law enforcement for 15 years before God called me out of that. Now, I fought a little bit with that, um, which Jennifer knows the story of it. Anyway, I asked God for a bold answer and got a bold answer and knew that I was to come out of law enforcement and go into children's ministry. And when he called me out of law enforcement, he called me completely out of law enforcement. I haven't missed it. And if you could eat, sleep, or breathe something, I did. Um, so, saying that, been in, been in it 10 years, probably for the, up until March of this year, and some of, you, some of you guys have probably heard it before. March of this year was the first time in almost nine years that I actually do not have a waiting list for teachers. Other than that, I've always had a waiting list. I had one couple, I had to wait over two years before. <laughs> You said waiting list to be a teacher? Waiting list. Yeah, I, I thought I heard that. Waiting list. Now, when they're on a waiting list, what I do, and I'll get into you and, and, and just kind of tell you what I've learned and what I know. Um, but the waiting list, when I put them on a waiting list, they actually, they also go on a, what I call a sub list. So if I have a teacher that's going to be out, I have a certain group that can fill those spots. Not anybody just fills my spots. Only, only the ones that I allow. And that's, that's the subs. A lot of those were on a waiting list. Like I said, I had a couple, two years before they actually got in. March was the first time that I've actually not had a waiting list. So, you know, but we'll, we'll fill it up hopefully again. So I've got a couple that I'm going to talk to and, and just see. I still have subs. But they just want to sub because they're also involved into other things as well. Okay? Alright, so saying that, let me ask you a question. Okay, here we go. What does the Bible say about children's ministry? Okay? Children's ministry, it doesn't say anything. Not nothing. Nowhere in the Bible will you find it giving you a detailed list about having uh, like children's Sunday school and just sitting down and having and, and there's nowhere. 
not in there at all. Okay? I've searched it. I've looked. I've asked my pastor. It's not in there. Now, what does the Bible say about children? A lot. Okay? The Bible says a lot about children. Alright? And it's clear. There are clear commands both in the Old Testament and the New Testament that tells us about kids. Okay? And tells us about children. So, let's look at some of those. Moses. Moses, he talks about it in the Old Testament. And these are the words that he says. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. If you just take just that last little sentence there, when you lie down and when you rise up, that pretty much says a whole lot right there, doesn't it? We're supposed to teach our kids and children about God, okay? Every single day, no matter what. It also continues in the New Testament, in Ephesians 6, 1-4. It says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay? So the pattern continues from the Old Testament all the way through to the New Testament. Alright, so we're to teach and tell our children about God as a part of everyday life, no matter where we're at or what we're doing. If you're getting in a car, if you're going to school, pray with them. Make sure that they know and they hear you pray. Make sure that they know that they hear you talking about God. If you're passing by something and it's a it's a teachable moment, use it. Because that's what the Bible tells us that we're supposed to do. When we lay down and when we rise up, okay? When we walk by the way, no matter what we're doing, we can use that to teach them about God. Now, some of you guys are probably thinking, why am I in children's ministry? Has anybody ever thought that? I thought about it. I thought it the second week I went full time. Mm -hmm. Because this is what happened. I went in with expectations of, I guess, just checking off boxes. I'm a very detailed person. I write those out. I guess I got that from law enforcement. And I wanted to make, air, make sure every box was checked. The first two Wednesday nights, I went home that second Wednesday night and I told Kelly, I said, I'm pretty sure I heard wrong when God told me to come into this ministry. I said, there's no way that I can continue to do this and it be like it is. But here's what I learned, because I prayed about that. I was trying to do it in my own power and through my own self. I had to take my hands off, because I prayed and I said, God, I heard you. You gave me a bold answer. What's up? What's happening? And that's what he told me. He says, you're trying to do it all by yourself. He says, I didn't ask you to do it. I want to do it through you. So I had to remove my hands from it and allow him to work through me. Okay? So if you've ever asked that question, why am I a children's minister? This is why. Because children are important. Okay? Even Jesus thought that the children were important. 
in Mark 10, 13 through 16. It says, He took them in His arms and He began blessing them and laying hands upon them. Now, let me ask you a question. Who brought the kids to Jesus? The parents, right? Absolutely. Now, why would you think that they would want Jesus to lay His hands on them and bless them? Because they were important. That was their most prized possession, their kids. And they wanted Jesus to bless them. Okay? Now, this shows that the children are important. These parents were bringing the kids to Jesus so that He could just touch them. Because they already knew the stories. They were already there probably when some of the, the miracles had happened. They wanted their kids to be a part of that because their kids are important to them. No different than today's parents. How many of you got? How many guys have kids? Okay. Are your kids important to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So verse 16 says, He took them in His arm and He began blessing them. Now let's look at some of the research. And if you were in some the first class, it says, it says this, Research has shown that kids tend to be more receptive than any other age group. In my last class, I actually had a chart. Okay? It's probably bigger than you think. It's almost half. Okay? It's 46%. Now get this. 46% of all Americans that accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, did so before they turned 13. 46%. Now the other age groups, the other one, I think it was 29 or something like that, that was from 14 to 20, 20 something, without looking at the chart. The rest of them kind of fall in. 40 and older, 9%. So what that tells me is it tells me this. The age group that we're talking about in children's ministry, from 13 and under, that's 7th grade and under basically, they're the most receptive age on the planet. Now that's a big deal if you're in children's ministry because you have the responsibility, you have the privilege, you get to tell his story. I don't know if y'all heard that out there, but that was pretty powerful. You get to tell his story to the most receptive age on the planet. So, saying that, the best time to get them is now. Because if you don't, something else will. Okay? How many of you guys have to compete with things at your church? Other activities? Sports is probably my worst, absolute worst nightmare. If it's not red ball, it's travel ball. And it's, it, I don't understand it, but anyway, something's going to be out there. So if we don't make our children's ministry important, if we don't make it exciting, if we don't get the right teachers in the right places, they're going to find some results to go. Okay? Because they can have fun on the ball field. We need to make sure that they're going to have fun while learning about Jesus. And we'll get into some of that. And when you do, you can inspire the world. Okay? So what we want is we want to teach our kids 
to be followers of Christ. This is the main goal of children. See, right? We want to teach our kids to be followers of Christ. However, you can't do it by yourself. You can't. This is not a one-man band. Can't do it. Trust me, I try. It's not possible. If you think you can, you might as well rethink it. It's not going to happen. Okay? You can't be this person. You got to have help. So, saying that, what we need to look at is we need to look at recruiting the right volunteers. Now, notice there's a key word in there. Can anybody guess it? Right. Okay? Now, and what this is what I mean. When I say the right volunteers, this is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about somebody that can just fog up a mirror. Okay? Now, I know some of you in here probably like, okay, I'll take a mirror fogger. I mean, I, it's okay. Give it to me. Here, here's the thing. You don't want that. And here's the reason why. If they're, if they're not passionate about kids just like you are, if they don't love kids just like you do, if they don't have a desire for those kids, they're not going to be a good teacher for you. All they are is just going to fog up a mirror. They're not going to bring your children's ministry up to the next level, which is where you want. God wants your ministry to thrive. Okay? So don't pick anything less than a superstar. And this is what I mean. Think back when I told you that 13 and under, that's that group that's the most receptive. Why would you have a mediocre teacher in the ministry? If that's the, if that's the biggest age and the most receptive age that's going to respond at 46%, why would you not have superstar teachers in there? And this is what I would do. And this is what I do do. And I tell my church, and they're okay with that. I would even go and pull great adult Sunday school teachers. Make sure that you have good Sunday school teachers in your volunteer base. Okay? So, don't do, this is what you don't do. Don't do this. Don't get on the stage or up there on the pulpit and put out a blanket statement and make this SOS call with the the blanket and the smoke, okay? Don't do that, because this is what's going to take place. First of all, what's going to happen is it's going to look like you're just begging and you are, you got no control over what's going on. You're sinking, you're not treading, I mean, you're barely swimming. Don't do that, okay? What I want you to do is pray. Listen and ask for a specific person to do a specific job, okay? Specific person to do a specific job. Regardless of the size of your church, and no matter if you're a small church or a large church, everyone seems to need more workers, right? Just when you think that you've got all your vacancies filled, just when you think it's all good, what usually takes place? Usually about 6.50 in the morning, you get a call and you're like, uh, we're just not, we're just not gonna do that anymore. You know, and you're like, what? So, and, you, and you, you know, you get that resignation speech. So now you're back at the drawing board, right? All right, so this is what happened. 
Um, unfortunately, like I said, there's no magic formula, there's no magic potion that I can give you. But we can do certain things that I think will help your process in finding the right volunteers. God is in control, and He wants your ministry to be a success. So ask God to lead you as you seek leaders for your children's ministry. Ask God to go before you and prepare their hearts. Pray about who you're going to talk to. And don't just ask anyone. Okay? Don't ask anyone. What you need to do is you need to recruit the very best workers for your children's ministry. Now you're probably thinking, all right, well, how do you do that? Where do I start? Okay, well, I can tell you where you start. All you got to do is just observe a little bit. Take a Sunday or a Wednesday. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about just in your regular church. And just look around. Find out who your children are gravitating to. It could be someone in the back. And you go back there and you see them, and they're always chasing somebody around, or they're playing with a kid. Find out who your kids are gravitating to. They're gravitating to them for a reason. A kid knows. Kids know if you're sincere and if you like them or not. Kids know if you love them. You can't fool them. I was just telling somebody out there, you don't have to worry about what children think because they're going to tell you. Okay? They ain't going to lie to you. If they don't like what you're wearing, they're going to tell you they don't like what you're wearing. If your hair is messed up, they ain't going to ask you, what did you do with your hair? That's just kids, okay? So they're going to know. So look and find out where your kids are gravitating to. That's actually a, a good start. While you're praying and while you're asking, you can also get other people to pray with you, okay? In the same way. Alright, so remember that this age group is the most receptive, so you want the very best teachers that you can get in this ministry. Alright, so let's look at this. No greater proof when you see one. Kids look up to their leaders, okay? So, what you want is active members. You don't want somebody that just comes to church once a month or once a quarter or anything like that, okay? You want someone that's active and that serves in the church, okay? They should be active and supporting members. They also need to love kids. That's a no-brainer, right? Okay, well, I can tell you this. Unfortunately, there's a lot of Sunday school teachers in children's departments that have no desire to be in the kids' department at all. They were, let's say, guilt-tripped into going in there, maybe. Or because we put up the SOS call, they responded. And now you've got someone in there that only does lectures. I'm telling you, if you got a kid, if you got a Sunday school teacher in there, and all they're doing is lecturing to your kids, and there's no acti activities, there's no games, there's no involvement, there's no excitement, you need to make a hard decision and you need to get the person out of there. Because your kids are not going to enjoy coming back. How do you make that hard decision? Not make a decision, Well, you pray about that. Because you basically already know. If you've got one in there, you already know that they're going to have to do that. Now, 
This is what I would suggest. Um, I would pray about it, and I would get some other folks to pray about it with me. And then I would ask God to give you the words, and I would just probably sit in there, and I would talk to them and say, "Look, you know, I've just been I've been noticing lately that you you hadn't you hadn't been yourself. You hadn't been." excited about what you're doing. You know, there's something going on. I'd ask mm -hmm. to see if something's going on. It could be something that, at, at home. I mean, it could be something that they need to deal with and they just don't have time to prepare. They don't have time to come up. It may be, you may have them come and just say, you know, I just, I don't really like kids anymore. You know, I, I don't know why I even got into it. I just got into it just to help you out, but this is just not my thing. They may solve the problem themselves, but I would at least have a conversation with them. And then if they still wanted to, to talk about it, I would ask them, say, look, is there anything that I can do that can help you? What if we get you a helper in there? If you've got a weak teacher like that, if you'll put a super strong helper in there that can at least buffer some of that or maybe take up some slack there, it may be a little bit easier and just see what they say and just fill them out. It's not going to be, I can tell you this, it's not going to be an easy conversation. You're probably going to hurt some feelings. However, the hard decision, the harder decision to me would be knowing that the kids are not going to relate to that person. And as long as kids are in that classroom, they're not going to get anything out of it. That's not our goal. Our goal in children's ministry is when you get kids in your classroom, you want them to be able to go home. And when mom and daddy ask them in the car, what was your Bible study about? You don't want them to say, ah, uh, Jesus, although some of them will. That's just, that's just the typical answer, especially with preschool. What'd you talk about today? Oh, God. What'd you talk about today? Jesus. All right, so that's not what you want. What you want is you want that classroom to be so energetic. You want that classroom to be so active that they're going to tell you piece by piece what happened. That's what you want. And when you got that kind of teacher and when they're telling their parents that, I'm telling you right now, that parent's not going to, they can't wait for the next Sunday or the next Monday to get that, that, that kid back in that class. That's the kind of teachers that you want. But it is going to be a hard conversation. So, however, it will be a conversation that would need to take place. And if you didn't feel comfortable doing it, you could ask your pastor to sit in there with you and, and things like that. And just, you know, I would not make it a personal thing. I would make it what's best for the kids. Because okay? that's what we're supposed to do in children's ministry. And I think that if you, if you talk to them in the right way, with a right tone of voice um, and not have it escalate. No one, if you're not doing your job that you get paid for, what's this going to happen? If you just get talked to right. Now, so, what's, what's more important than telling our kids about God? Nothing. That's exactly right. So, a hard conversation might have to be. Okay. Alright. So, Love kids. They need to love the kids. Alright? 
remember I told you, watch who they gravitate to. Those are the leaders, those are the natural leaders that you want to look for. Now, your teachers must be willing to prepare. Now, the question uh, is this. Who in here, because if you've got it, I want it. Okay? Here's, here's the question. Who in here uses a curriculum or has a curriculum that prepares itself? I need it. Nobody has that? The, it's not available to So the teachers are going to have to be willing to prepare. Every one of you guys in here prepare every week, don't you? Mm -hmm. you, know, you have to take some time, you have to sacrifice your time away from your family to prepare for Wednesdays and Sundays. A child's going to know if you're not prepared or not. Go in there unprepared and see what's going to happen. They'll eat you alive. <laughs> eat you alive. I mean, they're going to know. And they're going to test you. And you better be prepared what's coming next as well. I mean, because it's got the flood. It's got the gut. You got you. If you have too much downtime in in children's department, you got chaos. You got a mess. I'm just telling you. Because they just they're naturally active. They just are built that way. Okay. So you better have something ready for them all the time. Now there's a certain amount of preparation that's required when you lead kids. Alright, so now this is what you need to do is when you're talking to these volunteers, when you're talking about these prospects, you need to be upfront with them and you need to tell them, say, look, now here's the thing. To be honest with you, I need to tell you about this prep time. It's probably going to be this amount of time, this amount of time. You need to have this done and that done. Now what I do is I tell my teachers, because I want them to know the lesson inside and out, if they have an activity, of course, I am full-time and I'm at the church every day, so it could be different for you guys, especially if you're in a smaller church. If they need a craft or if they need some type of visual or if they need something that's going to help them with their lesson, if I have a dry erase board in my resource room. If they'll write it on there, I'll make sure that it gets in the classroom and then make sure that it's there Sunday for them. Okay? If, if they need something bought, I don't own the, the dry erase board. If it's not in my resource room where they can go to those cubbies and, and get whatever, and I try to keep all that stocked, just let me know and I'll get it, okay? That would be something that you could help and you could take some of that off of, if, if you can do that, if you're able to do that. All right, so be honest about the prep time, okay? Because they're going to need to devote some of the time for each lesson. And like I said, if not, kids, will know it and they're going to eat you up. Okay? Alright. So, another one is this. They need to be a team player. Why? Because you got to have a bunch of people in the Okay? It takes a large volunteer force to operate a children's ministry. The bigger the church, the larger the volunteer force. Kids' ministry is never a solo act. Now, y'all saw that a while ago about the one-man band? Can't happen. Okay, you might pull that off for a Wednesday or so. I don't think you'll do that very long. But it, it's not—that's not what it was intended to be. You'll always need multiple leaders working together. No one-man shows in children's And then another thing I think they need to have is they need to be called 
by God. And that's where, when I told you to start praying, pray for them. Pray for someone's hearts to be pricked by God. And let Him go before you and deal with that. Nothing can take the place of knowing that you're called by God to lead kids. Nothing. Okay? Remember I told you that I was called um, out of law enforcement. <coughs> and I enjoyed law enforcement. I thought I was going to retire from law enforcement. And I'll tell you a little bit of story because we've got a little bit of time. <coughs> the way that that worked is I told you that I was always involved in children's ministry as far as teaching Sunday school or teen kids or something like that. Well, we started going on mission trips. And we had done several mission trips to Africa and Venezuela, Russia, you name it, we were going on. Well, one day, Brian Oliver, a guy from, from my church, he came up to me and he says, Mint. He said, you're going to think this is crazy. I said, okay, and it's kind of a testimony a little bit, so you guys will know. He said, I've never done it before. He said, but last night, he said, I just had the weirdest dream. He says, and I didn't want to, and this was after a service. He said, but I got to because I think God's telling me to. He just came up to me. He says, is there anything going on in your life? I said, no, everything good. Because I'm thinking, yeah, you lost it, buddy. However, this is what he said. He said, God told me to tell you that the answer is yes. And I said, okay. I mean, you know, because I know Brian and good friends with him. I didn't think anything about that. Three months later, I'm singing on the stage with praise band, and I feel God's call. Now, it wasn't a call to children's ministry. All I can tell you is it was an obedience call. And the reason that I know that was because I looked down, and my wife Kelly, she's crying, and she's shaking her head because God's talking to her at the exact same time that He's talking to me. So I get off the stage, we come together, and we tell Brother Danny, all we know is it's an obedience call. Now, fast forward two years. We're still in the process. We're still serving in Sunday school. We're still teaching on Wednesday nights. Brother Danny and Brother George, which is our student pastor, they come to him and they say, Mitch, we've been praying about it. And we think that you're the one. We need full-time children's pastor. And we, your name, we just think you're it. And I'm like, ain't no way. You know, I like law enforcement. I like kicking in doors. I like all that stuff. I need that. You know, those kind of things. I need that adrenaline. So, little did I know, you can get that from kids as well. <laughs> so, anyway, I said, no, no, no. I said, and they said, well, will you pray about it? And I said, sure. Well, I really didn't pray about it. About three, four, five months later, they come back to me and they said, Mitch, you're still, we're still being led in your direction. And I said, guys, I said, I mean, I'm teaching Sunday school. I said, really? Anyway, now, knowing the call before, two years before, the obedience call, I, I did commit to pray. And I, I said, I'll pray a certain way. So I prayed for a bold answer. Not just a feeling in my heart, not me reading the verse in the Bible, and then saying, okay, well, that's what God said. Now, not saying that He can't talk to us that way. That's not what I want. Because I'm telling you, if you could love it, I love law enforcement. So I prayed specifically for a bold answer. I had a time frame. We were on a cruise. Kelly kept asking me. And I was like, well, I mean, I know what, I know what I'm reading. And I, I know, but it's just not my bold answer. 
day we were coming back, she asked me. It was that Sunday. We were supposed to give Danny an answer Monday, which was 12 hours from when we were actually driving. That's just how God works. Sometimes he just waits to the very last minute. However, she asked me, she said, well, what are you going to tell Brother Danny? And I said, well, Kelly, I know what I'm reading in the Bible. I said, I know what it's telling me. But I've prayed. Every time I've prayed, I've prayed for a bold answer. I said, you read it and you tell me what you think. So I tell her the passage, and we're going up 95. She gets the Bible. She reads the passage, and about 10 or 12 seconds after she gets the reading, on the side of the road, on 95, on a billboard, in big, bold, black letters, this is what it said. Read God's Word and do it. That was my bold answer. So I knew that I was called into children's ministry. And at that point, we got on the phone. I didn't even wait. We jumped right in. And that's been almost 10 years ago. So, being called by God is awesome. That's what you want to look for, too. So if you've got someone that's coming up to you and they're saying, hey, I just feel like God's calling me to be in this ministry. You know what? It could be an answer to what you've been praying for the whole time. So, being called, nothing takes the place of having workers that's being called into that ministry. Because if they're being called into that ministry, guess what? Unless God calls them out of it, they're going to remain in that ministry. So seek out members that since God is leading in the children's ministry. Also, ministry descriptions. And this is what I mean by that. When you approach someone about leading, be ready. I'm not talking about with a, with a a printed out form. Now I guess you could if you want to. But be ready to give them a description of what you want them to do. If you know that you're looking at someone, and Lindsay, you're going up you're going to talk to them as a prospect for, for leading worship and children ministry. You should already know what class that you're leading them to do. So therefore you already know what description that you need to tell them, what they're going to be doing, how they be doing it, those kind of things. Because they're going to need to know those details. Would you like to be would you like to be in something and you have no details about what's going on? None of us would, right? So be prepared to give that. Because they're going to ask those questions. Go ask somebody, you know, God's leading me to to talk I think I think I think God's leading me to talk to you about children's ministry. Well, well what would I be doing? That's what's fixing to come out of their mouth. So be prepared to give a ministry description. Okay? A description says that you've thought about it and that it's important to you and that they're important to you for that position. What you want to do is you want to nurture, you want to grow them, and this is how. I encourage my teachers and volunteers to do this, okay? Because I want them to grow and I want them to be nurtured. When they come into my department and we talk, they have to choose. They can serve with me on Sunday or they can serve with me on Wednesday. They cannot serve with me both days. And here's the reason why. I need them in the adult classes growing so they can teach my kids. If they're not growing, they're not, your kids are not going to grow. Okay? So I need them to be watered and fertilized and nurtured just as much as I need my kids. So I allow them to choose. They can't serve both, but they can serve one or the other. I learned that the hard way. Back when Kelly and I first started Sunday school, 
probably about eight or so years into it. We were teaching Sunday school on Sunday mornings. We was doing teen kids on Sunday nights. We was doing every kind of activity. Anytime we went into the church, we'd go straight into the children's building. I had no idea what was going on in the adult world of the church. Matter of fact, we had new members that I didn't even know that had joined the church because I was never over there. About two years of doing that, we got completely burnt out. And we had to come out of that for a solid year and just sit in the pew and go to a couple's Sunday school class just to get renewed ourselves. So I learned that hard way. So don't, if, if you want a big turnover, keep them coming. Use them every single time that you can and see what happens. You'll have them for about a year and that's about it. Okay? So make sure that they're getting fed. Make sure that they get to interact with the adults. Alright. If you are a leader, you must grow as well. Okay? So identify their abilities and gifts. Kind of what I was telling you a little bit while ago. Alright, you need to make sure that you know what their abilities and gifts are. Each one of us have different ones. Paul talks about the eye not being the foot, the foot not being the eye, okay? As far as the body of church, we all have different abilities and different talents. So what you don't want to do is you don't want to put a preschool teacher with a sixth grade, okay? If they're comfortable with pre-K and if they're comfortable with those four and five-year-olds, and that's their passion, then that's where you want that teacher. Not with 11-year-old or 12-year-old where they might not want it. I've got a bunch, of, a bunch of teachers that work in our public school system that teach in my ministry. This is what they do. They specifically do not want the age group that they teach in school to teach in church for two reasons. They've already had them all day long, and they're tired at the end of the day. They want something fresh and they want something new. Plus, they get to teach those same kids at night. So they're, they're giving themselves a break and they're giving the kids a break as well. So that's what I mean by identify their abilities and their gifts. Okay? If we set the volunteers up for failure, that's exactly what they're going to do, is they're going to fail. If we put them in the wrong spot, we've set them up for failure. So that's, that's on us as leaders. Make sure that you get them in the right spot. If we put them in the wrong spot, they're not going to be happy. They're not going to do a good job. And they're not going to stay very long at all. Okay? Now, a big thing is this. And I'm going to ask you guys. How many of you guys do regular training? A couple of you guys? Alright. I probably fall, after doing some research, I actually, uh, if I graded myself, I would pass, but it would just be barely passing. So, um, whenever I prepared some of this and did some research, I actually kind of opened my eyes to some things. Here's what I found out about training volunteers. Alright, so once you get your volunteers and once you get them in the right place, what needs to happen is you need to train your volunteers and you need to train them well, okay? Not just to go in there and a gossip conversation or go in there and say, hey, no, I just need you to do this. Need to. You need to train them and train them well. Willingness to serve does not automatically equal ability to serve. Okay? I'm going to tell you that one more time. Willingness to serve does not equal 
ability to serve. How many of you guys would accept a job building a house with no tools to do so? Nobody, right? Okay. How many would how many would do any job without the right tools? Nobody would do that, right? Okay. Now here's the thing. There's nothing more frustrating than being asked to do a job and then not being given the tools or the equipment that you need to do it well. We don't need to do that in our Sunday school teachers. We need to train them, we need to equip them, and we need to give them the tools to do the job that you want them to do. Training is a continuous part of the ministry. And basically, for anything else, how many of you would do this? All right. How many of you would go to a hair salon? No. Okay, with, with someone that, that has no training? Not many of us, right? All right, well, I talk to Stephanie. I go, I go to Stephanie every two weeks, okay? She's my hairstylist, whatever you want to call it, uh, lady barber. Uh, anyway, she calls me. She says, all right, man, come out here and get your hair cut. So every two weeks, I've got a standing thing that, that we revolve. I asked her the other day, I said, Stephanie, I said, when I was sitting in the chair, I see this license. I said, what's up with that? And she said, well, I have to, I have to keep that up. I said, so what do you mean? She says, I have to go to school and I have to train every year to keep my license up. No license, no job. I said, oh, okay. Well, my wife teaches school. Guess what? She has, that's exactly right. They've got some PLCs that they've got to go through. They've got training that they have to do every single year. No certificate, no job. I was in law enforcement. We had to do 20 plus hours every year of certified training to keep up our certification. No certification, no job. Why would we ask our Sunday school teachers to teach the most receptive age group on the planet with no training whatsoever. We need to train them. And we need to train them well. And it needs to be done on a continuous basis. Not once every five years. A continuous basis. When do you do it, how do you get them to come? When do you do it, how to get them to come? <laughs> Yeah. Great, great question. Now, this is what I do with with mine. Every now and then, if we plan something big, you know, we can do it on a Saturday or something like that. Now, of course, you, you have to make it fun, make it exciting, let them know what they're going to be there for. Okay? Don't trick them and saying, "Hey, you are you come over and we're going to have a steak dinner," right, and then you get three hours of training. Okay? Let them know that that's what they're going to be there for. But it'll be fun, it'll be exciting, and then you keep them involved, okay? So, also, if you do it another time, what you can do, they're already at church on Sundays. They're already at church on Wednesdays. I know people live a hectic life, okay? They're already busy. So if you can do it on a day that they're already there, attached on, if they can just stay, or maybe if you can work it out. Now, you can't work it out during Sunday school because then you've got kids running like, wild everywhere because there's no one in there but if you can stay after or even maybe even come before what if you came a lot of times what we do is we we start our church services at six on sundays we come at four 
They're already going to be there yeah. anyway. No, four people. <laughs> no. No, I don't know that anybody would sing at a 6 o'clock morning service too much anyway. But no, like 6 p.m. on Sunday nights, 9 is when we actually start our, our morning. But we come two hours. They're already going to be there anyway. They already know that they're going to be there on Sunday. So you could use that to your advantage as well. Okay? But make it fun, make it exciting, and make it count. If you don't make your training count, if you get in there and it's just nothing, they're not going to come back the next time. Make it worth their while. There was some good training resources for those of us who are all, I, I am children and youth. Mm -hmm. my, my training is more in youth, and right. so I am winging my children's ministry. I don't know what to train them on to train them. Okay. Right. Honestly. Gotcha. There's, there's plenty of, um, Lifeway has some things that you can do. We have, now, you have to look at some of the stuff. There's some books that you can get uh, that I have. There's one on my desk. Uh, I, I can get your information and give it to you. We also have a thing that we give to all of our members. It's called RightNowMedia.com. RightNowMedia is a, a web-based uh, video thing. It has a lot of training videos that's in there. Okay? And when we're talking training, I'm talking about all kinds of training. I'm talking about the sexual abuse training. I'm talking about your emergency training, like your fire drills, your intruders. And not only that, when you do stuff like that, I think that that needs to be a church-wide event. Because here's the reason why. The parents and the rest of the members that's in the adult conversation, or the adult congregation, they need to know where we're going to take their kids and where they can meet us at. Because what you don't want is you don't want 400 parents trying to come down your kid's wing to get their kids. Because we're not going to be there. We're already going to have them out in the location. So why not have, and we've done that, why not have a church-wide training where you can incorporate that, okay? And incorporate some of those in there, especially your emergency stuff. Intruders, with all everything that's going on, your safety, your safety team, if you've got one, we have a security team. Make them a part of it, make them aware of it, make them know, you need to know the evacuation routes, where you're going, and then your parents need to know where you're going, okay? Because if your parents don't know, it's fixing to be chaos in the church, okay? Alright, so, but yes, there's a bunch of different training things like that, and I can, I'll get your information and get you some, okay? Alright, so, we need to train our volunteers, and here's why. This is some, some studies, and I actually saw, I think I saw Steve Park, was he, he was here earlier, I think. I think I saw him. Alright, so he was part of some of this research, I don't know if you can see it uh, with the brick wall and stuff. Basically, this is what took place, and this is just to show you. Churches that provided ongoing training, either monthly or quarterly, okay, monthly or quarterly, grew grew more than 13%. Now, when I read that, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Grew more than 13%. Churches that provided less training, but some grew 4.2%. And then here's the sad thing. Churches that provided no training at all declined 2.1%. Why? 
because we're not doing our job training our body. And we wonder why they don't stay. They're not being trained. What, what is that? Um, What's that now? What's the reference for that? Uh, that it, it came off of, uh, it's out of a book that Steve Parr had, had written. Um, it's Breathing Life in the Sunday School. Is that. Now, Ken Baratti was actually the one that wrote that book. But Steve, which is with our own. Is it Georgia? So he actually had some insight with some of that. Okay? All right? So, now, it says, one state convention discovered that 98% of the top fastest growing churches provided training for their Sunday school. 98% of the top fastest growing churches provided regular training. That says something. Okay, you're taking, you're taking this class because you want to up your training. You want to make sure you get your volunteers, okay? You want your leaders to know. You want to know how to fix your volunteer problem and, and keep your retention level, right? That's why you're here. This is kind of training, okay? We can't afford not to train is what we can't do. You want a retention in your leaders? Start training on a regular basis. It's been proven. It's right there. It's been going on for years. Breathing Life in the Sunday School is the name of the book, okay? All right, so the next thing that I want to do is I want to talk about building relationships with your volunteers. Building relationships with your volunteers. All right, if you guys will, if you'll just take a penny out of this bag. Take one penny and pass the bag, and then you get another penny, and then I'll explain our further instructions. Okay. I look like y'all are getting a little sleepy, so I just, it's actually hot in here to me, but I don't know if it's hot in y'all. I just didn't want y'all to go to sleep, so, you know, we've got to keep things. And children's ministry, you got to keep moving, you got to keep going. Alright, so once you get a penny, now I will tell you this, if you get a penny, I need you to make sure that you can see the date that's on it. I have some magnifying glasses in in that uh, box right there if you need them. Some of those pennies are hard to see. Make sure you can see your date and make sure that you were born on the date that you, at least within that time. Okay? So, here, and this is what. Yeah, this bad. Well. Yes, I need you to be alive during the year. What I mean by this is that you get a penny that's in 1970 and you haven't been born yet, put it back and get another penny. Okay. Right. I just need you to be alive within the date of your penny. Right. You're thinking, what is going on here? Why are we getting a penny? Was he not born in that year? Look at that! You weren't born in that year either? Did they take all the 2000s? Oh, I'm not a trail anymore. <laughs> Wait a minute, no one has to. Okay. She needs a trade. Yeah, I can trade. What year? Oh, man. I'm trying to 
aula. Because we're talking about relationships. And I'll explain the exercise once we get done. Look at your penny. Find out what year it is. And this is what I want you to think about. I want you to think of two significant or two positive things that happened to you during that year. Listen, that's 365 days. That's 52 weeks. Two things positive happened to you during that year. Two positive Two things is what I'm looking for. Okay, two positive things is what I'm looking for. That year or that decade? That, 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 that year. That year. Uh, you can do that year. God blessed you every year. So you, you got two positive things. All right, this is what I'm looking for. All right, and to speed up the process, I won't call on any names unless I have, or I won't call on anybody. However, I would like five volunteers to share the two memories. I don't care who they are. We'll take the first five. All right, go for it. Uh, I started uh, a college program, and I was promoted to manager at Pizzeria I was working at. Awesome. Okay. All right. Okay. 2012, uh, my husband and I went to Israel, and that summer month, we took our boys uh, to different, several different state parks and hiking every Saturday. Uh -huh. Great. Okay. All right. Three more. I was in elementary school. <laughs> okay. All right. And uh, the next year after that, I was sixty-seven. And the next year after that, I was in the class. Okay. All right. I apologize. No. Anybody? Uh, it's was two thousand. I started Boy Scouts in middle school that year. Okay. All right. Okay. Nineteen ninety-six. I turned thirty, and I adopted my first pet. I remember being. I was a youth minister. And I was, I always took them to Dairy Queen after um, church on Wednesday. And I've been telling the kids I've been wanting a pet. It was my first job out of seminary. And, um, and then, lo and behold, it was a stray cat. And I named it Queenie because I got it from Dairy Queen. And they all went to Kroger with me to help me get, I'd never had a pet before. And so they helped me get all the litter box and told me how to take care of a cat. And, Right. She had a lot going on that year, didn't she? Alright, one more. Anybody else? I've got 2007. Okay. I graduated college and I started my first position. Perfect. Alright. So, now here's the reason for that exercise. What happens, you can't build a relationship with one another unless you know something about one another, right? Okay? As simple as a penny. That can start relationship building in your ministry amongst your teachers. It don't have to be a penny. They make cards now, okay? You can buy cards that has questions and you can pull them out. But you can even use, I mean, you can use anything. The problem is, a lot of times, we think we can build relationships and we never talk to anybody. We never know them. Spend time with your volunteers. Spend time with your workers. You have to get to know them. 
You have to build a relationship with them. If you'll build a relationship with them, it's going to be super hard for them to leave that ministry when they've got a really good relationship and a really good thing happening. With our ministry, we do outings all the time. When I say all the time, I'm talking four times a year. Two times we do it with our kids, which means the whole family comes. We've been uh, to our, I guess it's like a big party place. Um, it's got an outdoor golf driving range. It's got the go-karts. It's got the arcades. I mean, it's got everything. It's over in Statesboro. We'll go there. We'll take the kids, or we'll go to someone's house. And we just have fun, we'll do some blow-ups uh, for the kids and stuff, and just hang out. The other two times, no kids at all, okay? It's just adults. And here's why. You need to have adult conversations <laughs> without your kids, okay? So two times we do it with our kids because we love our kids. But two times, you need some adult conversations too. Okay. And that's when we usually go to, we've been to Longhorn, we've been to other different places, we'll go to a Mexican restaurant, we just go hang out. Usually when we get through, we usually wind up at some kind of ice cream place, and we're in the parking lot, under the seats, or whatever, and we're just hanging out, we're having a good time. However, as innocent it may, as it may look, I'm building relationships with my work. They're building relationships with others. And when you become close, they want to stay in that group. And I think that that's the biggest thing that I've done or that we've done in our ministry and that helps us retain the ones that we have. It's because we're just one big thing. We do things together. We encourage one another. We pray for one another. And we make it a point to build those relationships. That, I think, is probably your biggest key to retaining your volunteers is your relationship. If you've got great relationship with your volunteers, you can talk to them about those hard conversations if needed. You can make sure that they're in the right places that they need to be. And they're not going anywhere. Not going anywhere. I talked with one of mine, matter of fact, two Sundays ago. Her name's Jackie. She's 75, and she says, but now she looks and she gets around like she's probably 60. You wouldn't know it. She says, I was thinking, when is it, when do you get too old to teach children? I said, never. I said, Miss Jackie, you do it until God tells you not to do it. And she says, well, she says, when I get 85, we'll talk about it again. And I said, well, that's fine. <laughs> I said, that's fine with me. You know, I, but here's the thing. Build relationships. And here's how you do that. You be visible. I go and visit my classes every single Sunday. Okay? After I get through a large group, I go to every single classroom, and I visit every single room. Two reasons. One, I'm building a relationship with the kids. Even if I'm just down there pushing a car or pushing a dump truck, with, with Sam. I'm building a relationship with him. Also, I'm building a relationship with my teacher and leader that's in that room because I'm making sure that they need, they got what they need. I'm making sure that they're good. If I go into a room and I can sense that frustration's all over them, 
their hair's all over everywhere and you, they're breathing, you know, in a, an erratic fashion. Guess what? I know I need to stay there a little bit longer and fix that situation, okay? But if you never visit, if you never go in there, then you're not going to build those relationships. Build relationships. Do I have any pastors in here? I will tell you this. Your pastors, and I'm talking about your senior pastor, guys, they need to visit your children. They need to routinely visit your kids. They need to talk to your teachers. Your teachers need to know that the pastor, the leader of their congregation, thinks children is important and thinks that their job that they're doing is important. So they need to visit. They also need to visit just because they need to react with those kids as well. Okay? So I would encourage you. I tell mine all the time. But then you need to start walking through the hall. Walk through the hall. Walk through the hall. And he'll walk through the hall. And it's like those kids just flock to him. Flock to him. He can come in and say something that I said 13 times. And for some reason, they get it with him because of who he is. Okay? So I would encourage you to to talk with your pastor. Make sure that they routinely visit and they're visible. Build relationships. Celebrate together. Pray together. Once a quarter, Kelly and I do what we call a prayer breakfast. Okay? And this is what we do. Uh, we In our cafe upstairs, we prepare breakfast. It's, a, it's like a hot breakfast. It's grits, it's eggs. It's, it's, most of the time it's like a casserole type deal that we can mix up the night before and then put in the oven that morning, it's ready at 8 o'clock. All my Sunday school teachers meet in the cafe at 8 o'clock at the, at the beginning of the month. And on that Sunday, we eat, we fellowship, and we build a relationship, but we also pray for our classes, we pray for our teachers, and we pray for our, our children's ministry. It's all about building relationships. It's all about putting these people in the right places. That's what's going to retain teachers. I already told you about the outings that we do. Um, we do those four times a year. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, I don't have a budget for that. Here's the thing. I don't pay nothing for it. It's Doug's truth. They do their own. If you talk to the parents, I'm telling you, there's no mom and dad in their right mind going to turn down a date night. None. Even if it's just to go hang out with other Sunday school teachers. None. And I can tell you this. 99% of them can find someone that can watch their kids for three or four hours. Also, what we do is you can also do a, a parent night where you keep the kids and let your parents let your parents go out. Okay? Even if it's buying groceries, they might need to buy groceries without four on their legs or three in the buggy ready to go to the toy aisle. Okay, so think about things like that. Building relationships. Okay? We also need to just love one another. And that's all relationships is. We just love each other. Okay? Just love each other. When you show your volunteers and you love them, it spills over. How many of you guys have ever played with a magnet? I've got a magnet and I got some steel balls over there, but I won't do this exercise. I will show you this though. Here's what's gonna happen. When you attract something to a magnet, what happens to that something? It usually becomes magnetic, and then it'll attract something. 
and then that becomes magnetic and it'll attract something. That's exactly what you want your children's ministry to be. And guys, as leaders, as a children's pastor, if I'm not that magnet, if you're not that magnetic person, if you don't have that magnetic energy inside of your children's ministry to attract this one and attract that one and attract that one, and then when they get attracted, they're going to attract more, what's going to happen is you're going to have a whole bunch right there. And then you're going to be so close and not going to want to leave. So you've got to have that vibrant, magnetic atmosphere in your children's ministry. You want to attract excellent volunteers, you need to create a culture for excellence. Okay. A ministry that's magnetic. Ministries like this not only attract great people, they hang on to great people. Okay? Once that magnet attracts, I can move that magnet all over and those steel balls are just right there. Okay? They're just right there. They're not just falling off. It takes a little while. Keeping your volunteers. And I'll close with this. Keeping your volunteers. I think there's four things that I, that I think that we lack, and these are the reasons why our volunteers leave. Here's the first one. Lack of recognition. Everybody likes to be recognized. Okay? You like a pat on the back every now and then. You like a good job. Everybody likes to be told, you know what, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you serving. I send texts out all the time, periodically. It's not like a once a month thing. It's just whenever God puts it on my heart, and it's usually a lot more than that, I'll send the group text out. And I'll let my volunteers know. Guys, and it could be a Tuesday, it could be a Friday, it could be any time. It's just random. I let them know all the time how much I appreciate them and that I could not do the ministry that I do without them. I can't be that one man band. And I have to have them. And I know that God has put them there. And I appreciate that. And I let them know on a regular basis. Just a text. That's all you have to do. Just a text. Here's another one. And we talked about that. The reason why we can't keep them is a lack of training. Okay? Lack of training. If we never train anybody, it just looks like it's not important to us. If it's important to you, if you want your ministry to thrive, train. Train. Third one is motivation. Okay? You gotta keep them motivated. That's where that magnet comes in. Be magnetic. They're only going to be as magnetized as you are. That's the lead. If you go in there and you just um, you know, hum, hum, bah, hum. Guess what? That your teachers are going. It's not going to take long before that rubs off on you. Okay. So you always have to have that positive magnetic energy. Just in there. And then the third is that we fail to give them the signs. Okay. If you ask a volunteer to volunteer for something, make sure that there's something for them to do. Make sure that there's something for them to do. Within our youth ministry, uh, several, several years ago, uh, our youth pastor, he just he put it out there, nothing that, it was not nothing wrong that he was doing. Basically, he wanted some volunteers, and he was like, hey, will you come help me in the youth? Will you come help me in the youth? Well, he got some volunteers. But this is what happened. 
when he got there, they were like, well, what you want me to do? Well, just hang out with the kids. Hang out with the kids. Kids don't even like me. You know, that kind of thing. He didn't give them a specific assignment. He didn't say, hey, I want you to do this. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. It was just a, a blanket statement. Just hang out with the kids. Just be around. It didn't take very long, probably just a few months. And every one of those volunteers were like, well, they don't really need me over there. I'm not doing anything. I'm just standing and watching them play pool or ping pong or something else. You know, those kind of things. You need to give them a sign. Make sure that they have an assignment. Okay? All right. I got a whole bunch more, but we're out of time. I will. It doesn't at 30, right? Or 1030. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got like all kind of pages left. Alright, anyway. It, here's I'll, I'll take um we'll I'll take questions if anybody has any. Uh, like I said, I don't know them all. I'm still learning. I learn all the time. I change up or I tweak things that, that go on in my ministry every two years. I'm, I'm just telling you, at least every three. Because kids is going to get bored with it. Kids is going to get bored with it. This is a question for everyone here. How many people use Ministry Safe by show of hands? So, what are the rest of y'all using? <laughs> are reducing the risk? While we're on that, I will tell you, because I did have that later on in this thing, especially when I talked a little bit about safety, because I was going to hit it. When she mentioned background checks, I'm telling them this day and age, this is what I would do. If they did not have a background check, they would not work in my children's ministry. Period. No questions asked. We have a background check, and then we have a, a safety... Interview process. Um, like a packet mm -hmm. that has everything that we abide by, you know, mm -hmm. that we want them to abide yeah. by, things that we want them to do. Yeah, we have the same thing. They have to sign it. We have to sign that. We have to sign that. Now, and, and when we do our state ministry say, it actually lets me know when they've watched the videos and those other kind of things and some of those safety things as well. So. My, my challenge is um, some of the volunteers. Um, we'll have someone that comes to church four times. They decide they want to be a member. They've been there for a month. Um, we require six months mm -hmm. membership within the church, yep. and then they take the ministry safe mm -hmm. online. Um, I've had people leave the church yep. over there. Yep. We require a year. You yeah. can't. If you want. Is that a good yeah. thing? Yeah. 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 And I should yeah. not. I leave over that. You have to actually be serving, or you actually have to be a member, or at least, a, you know, up for a year and all. And if you come, like yours is six months, ours is a year. We do it a year. Yeah, we do it a year. And I'm telling you, if they come to me, if I don't feel like I need to go to them, if God's not calling me them, now, I'm not saying that God can't lead them, because you'll have that. Sometimes you'll have that. But if they come to me, I'm super careful about it when they approach me first, okay? Especially if I don't know anything about them. Especially if it's a new family, like she's talking about. Why do they want to serve in my children's ministry? You know, what did they, what's up with that? I don't know, I guess that's kind of still a little bit of law enforcement in me. I want my kids as safe as possible. As safe as possible, okay? Because their parents entrust us. 
What's that? Check-in procedure. I do have a check-in procedure. Check yep, we uh, we actually do lambs list, uh, which is a it's a it's a database that we use. It's five hundred dollars a month for the license. But what happens? A is, month. Uh, I mean, not a month, a year. So it's, it's an annual. What I say? I just was checking to see if y'all was late. No, it's um, it's five hundred dollars for the license, and it's unlimited. You can check in ten thousand kids, or you can check in ten kids. It doesn't matter, and it gives you uh, like lost sheet. And what that means is, is every Sunday I can go and I can click that button and it's going to give me a list of who was not there that Sunday, the absentees, okay? So now if I wanted to send them a card saying, hey, guys, I missed you Sunday. I knew that you wasn't in class. I could send it. And all I've, I don't have to do anything but click one button. It lands list. Mm -hmm. Lands list. But we check them in. That's another thing. Guys, parents are super, super uh, I guess sensitive about the safety of their kids and the cleanliness of, of your children's building. If you've got a children's building and it's not clean, I mean, and it's, I'm telling you, first, first impressions, y'all can say what you want, first impressions can make or break. I'm telling you. You get a visitor in there, and if your, if your children's wing is not up to par, if it's not clean, if they to go to dropping off a toddler, and you've got dirty carpets, or you've got dirty floors and stuff like that, well, guess what they know that's fixing to happen? How many of you guys that work in children's ministry never get on the floors? We're on the floors all the time. That's where we stay. Half my teachers keep their shoes off when they get in their classroom. All of my kids downstairs keep their shoes off. Now, upstairs, I try not to allow that because I usually wind up with one or three. I never wind up with an even number of shoes or socks. It's always an odd number. And I can hold them up. Who's are these? Nobody claims them. So I don't, I don't do that upstairs. But yeah, cleanliness and safety is what they're looking for. And if you've got that in place, they will continue to bring their kids to your ministry. There needs to be a designated spot for them to check in and a same designated spot for them to check out. Don't just release your kids. Those, that day is long gone. Where you can just say, hey, go play out in the, kid, the yard, and they pick them up. Can't happen. Um, what about the balance between their there are families here, and then there are babysitters, and you're trying to implement a policy of parent drops the child off, mm -hmm. parent picks the child up. Yep. But you have the babysitters that come from the upper room, and they come chasing down to grab the little ones. They grab the little ones and they take them, and then mom comes in. If when well, they your sitter said that you said yep. it's okay. Well, whenever they, whenever we check them out, the child gets a sticker, a name label, and the parent gets a sticker. If they don't have that sticker with that code that matches that child, they don't get that child. But they tell you and I've actually had some of those kind of conversations and when it was all said and done because they realized that we're just trying to be extremely careful and extremely safe with their kids they respected that now did they like it not a whole lot, but they did get over it, and I don't have those issues anymore. When we first started that, and we first implemented our check-in, oh my goodness, I wanted to quit again. 
because I had parents that just wanted to just pull up in the parking lot and they go one way and or to the coffee pot and the kids just come over here. Okay, well when we stopped all that, there was there was a handful that I had to constantly for months keep telling them, say, guys, I'm telling you. I finally had to tell one dad, I was like, Jeremy, if you don't come to your kid is not going down my children's hall again. They will go to large church. Now, he got a little ill with me, but he eventually got over it. 